last few weeks, you know that we have been talking about the fact that uh, Jesus is the the true star of Christmas, and of course, we're kind of playing on that Star Wars theme because the fact is that that movie comes out on Friday, and it is going to be a huge hit. All of them have been so far. This is supposedly the the, the ninth one, the last one to be done on the rise of Skywalker. I'm thinking it's going to be hard to quit making movies that make this much money though, right? So there may be another one coming, but nonetheless, we wanted to kind of play with that. And in fact, if you're a youth with us, if you're in middle school or high school, we've got a free ticket for you and a friend to invite to the movie. So after the service, not now, but after the service, you can go to the, the welcome desk and we will give you a free ticket so you can invite a friend. And at that, the showing that we have booked for Saturday, uh, the 21st, we're going to have an opportunity to show our commercial and we'll, we'll be wearing our first press t-shirts. If you don't have one, go pick one up at the welcome desk again, pick one up, and, and we're just going to show Christian hospitality at the movie theater, because we understand that sometimes it can be intimidating to invite a friend to church, but it's always easy to invite a, a friend to watch a hit movie, right? And so we want people to have an opportunity to come and watch this movie together, and, and as they watch this movie, they're going to see a, a commercial talking about our church, and we're going to have an opportunity just to say, hey, come and, and join us as we invite people to join us for Christmas Eve, the celebration of the true star of Christmas, Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever watched any of the Star Wars movie, raise your hand. Have you ever seen one of those Star Wars movies? Okay, that's pretty much all of us. If you live on this planet, and uh, you've probably seen one. But anyway, it always starts with the phrase, what? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We may have noticed when we started our little script there, uh, and Jake put that together. He did a great job. It says, and a long time ago in a Galilee, not that far away. Trying to spin on that a little bit. In fact, we have been sharing this on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, please share this. This is one way to invite your friends to let them know that here at First Prez, we are relevant. We are talking about the true star of Christmas this season. And a long time ago, what is meant by a long time ago exactly? Well, in our version of the scrolling of the story, you know, a long time ago for us, as you read that scrolling, is about, you know, 2,000 years ago. That is a long time long time ago. But is that when the story of Jesus begins just 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born? Actually, the story of Jesus begins long, long, long before that. To find out when the story of Jesus begins, I would encourage you to turn in your Red Pew Bibles to the Gospel of John. It may be found on page 1127 of your Red Pew Bibles. Please take that Red Pew Bible, open it up to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and keep it open throughout the message as I make reference to the text as a part of the sermon today. Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, again on page 1127. But before I read God's Word, let's call upon His Holy Spirit to guide us in the reading and preaching of His Holy Word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you inspired John to put pen to paper so that we might have your written word today, testifying to the word made flesh. God, I pray, Lord, as we read your word, that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you and be forever changed. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now it's interesting if you read the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see that they start their gospels very differently. Matthew begins his gospel with this beautiful genealogy about Jesus and how he's from the lineage of David through his father, Joseph. Luke, uh, of course, begins to tell us the Christmas story, and actually, you know, the story really begins with the angel Gabriel visiting uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, technically, as the cousin of Jesus, was born before Jesus, but we can see from John's gospel, John was, Jesus was in the very beginning, and of course, Mark begins his gospel just right in the middle of Jesus' ministry as an adult at about the age of 30, but John wants us to go back to the very beginning, in the beginning. Notice it doesn't start off once upon a time or a long time ago in a Galilee far away. In the beginning, this is not a fairy tale. This is a true story of how it all began in the very, very beginning. And any Jew who would have read the Gospel of John for the first time, when they read those words, in the beginning was the word, they would have immediately thought and be reminded of Genesis chapter 1. I would encourage you to turn in your Red Pew Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. It's the very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1. The very first words of the Bible we find in Genesis chapter 1, 
In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, there was God and there was no one else. In the beginning, there was only God and God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, in the very beginning, there was only God. And John is helping us see that when there was only God, there was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, as 21st century Christians, we know that, well, God is known as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we know this not just from the New Testament, we actually see allusions to this idea of this divine community in the very first chapter of Genesis. So stay there, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then skip down to verse 26. After God speaks, he creates light and he creates darkness. He creates the, uh, the, 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 the sky and the waters and the land and the animals and the, fruit, the trees and all that grows. And then on the sixth day, we read Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Notice this in Genesis 1.26. It says, then let us make man in our image after our likeness. God doesn't say, let me, make God, let me make them in my image. Let us make man in our image because God is this divine community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was a part of that let us conversation. Let us make man in our image. Jesus was there because he is God. He was in the beginning. There's never been a time that Jesus didn't exist. He's not just a great prophet. He's not just a great teacher. He's God in the flesh. God has become one of us. In the beginning, the very beginning, before there was anything else. There was God, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Remember how God created Adam out of the dirt of the ground, and He breathed life into Adam? In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, light brings clarity, doesn't it? You can be in a very dark room, but just a little bit of light, it'll allow you to see what's, what's around you. It reminds me when I was a little boy, about the age of John, my son, who's nine, 
I went on a father-son camping trip with uh, my dad to Carlsbad Caverns, and there's a group of other fathers and sons, and we went and decided we were going to go splunking or, or cave exploring in what they call the new cave, although it's a very old cave, but it was new to the camp, I guess, at the time. And we had to climb a rope to get down there. We all had to have flashlights and pants and long sleeve shirts, and, and we, as we began to make our way down to the cave, you know, the, the light from the opening was fading, and, and we had to use our flashlights to see anything at all, and when we got into the depths of the cave and the darkest cavern, well, our guide instructed us to turn off our flashlights, and so we did, one by one, and each light went off, it got a little bit darker, a little bit darker, until everyone's light was off, and it was completely black. I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face, and as I sat there, waiting I couldn't see anything at all and then I all I could hear was the water dropping and I could hear the fluttering sound of bats and then I heard a roar of what I thought was a mountain lion but actually it was a father trying to be funny (laughs) darkness can be scary can at night Jesus came to bring light in the midst of darkness. Because we know from God's word that the people of God were walking in darkness. They didn't understand who God was. Yes, they had the the Old Testament, they had the 613 commandments that we find there, but none of them really knew how to follow God or how to obey God. It was was dark for them because the, the experts of the law, the Pharisees, had become so legalistic about the law that they had lost sight of what the law was really all about. What, what the law was about was to reveal who God is, and, and the most important commandment in all of God's word is love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Leviticus 19, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, the people were walking in darkness because they had lost sight of what the law was really about. So Jesus came to show us, to reveal to us as the word made flesh. In fact, the Greek word for word here is logos. We get the English word logic from logos. We use words to communicate. God sent his son Jesus to communicate to us, to to reveal God's mind, to reveal the, the very logic of God, the very thinking of God, the mind of God, so that we might understand what is this most important to God. And Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 22 that the most important commandment is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourselves. All of the commandments fall under these two. If you do these two things well, well, then you've got the heart of God's law. Yes, Jesus came to bring clarity, to bring light to who God is. He's a God of love. And what's most important to God is love. Jesus came to bring clarity, but he also came to bring conviction. And after being in the cave for about two hours, slipping and sliding and falling down several times because the floor was so wet, I noticed I had kind of this weird smell on me, but I wasn't exactly sure what that was. (laughs) Then when we finally climbed out of the cave and got to the rope at the top, I was covered in bat guano. (laughs) It's a fancy, nice word for bat poop. I had no idea how dirty I really was until I stood in the light of day, and the same is true for you and me today. We don't truly understand how dirty we are until we stand in the light of Christ who was without sin, who lived in perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father, who fulfilled the moral law by doing what we could never do for ourselves. He was perfectly obedient. 
And as we continue to read the teachings of Jesus, we'll find in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives great conviction about God's word. In Matthew 5, verse 21, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You ever done that? Ever been angry at your brother? Ever yell at your brother or your neighbor? Jesus goes on to say, You've heard it said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is helping us see that, well, the Ten Commandments, are not, it's not about what you just do on the outside. It's what's going on inside of you. Where is your heart? Have you been angry with your brother? Have you had lustful thoughts? Have you done something that you should not have done? Have you failed to go the extra mile to treat others the way you would like to be treated all the time? Have you failed to turn the other cheek when someone insults you? Have you ever fallen short of what God has called you to do? Just a quick survey here. Raise your hand if you're a sinner. Anybody else or is it just me? Oh, Jesus brings great conviction. As we stand before the light of Christ, we're convicted that yes, we do fall short. We need a savior. But Jesus also comes to not only bring clarity, conviction, but most importantly, comfort. Clarity, conviction, and comfort. Clarity, conviction, and comfort. Can you say that with me? Clarity, conviction, and comfort. If anyone asks you kids what was the sermon about at lunchtime today, you tell them. It was about clarity, conviction, and comfort, and how Jesus came to bring clarity, conviction, and comfort. That's the great why of Christmas. Why did God send his son? To bring clarity so that we might see that we have a God of love and a God of mercy, but also to bring conviction so that we might see how much we need a Savior, but ultimately to bring comfort. Because the good news of the Christmas story is that even though we were sinners, living in darkness, fallen, broken people, God loved us too much to abandon us in our sin. Yes, God loves us so much that he actually became one of us. He took on flesh, as we read, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Greek word for that actually means to tabernacle among us. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place where the people would gather for worship and where they would offer the, the lamb of great sacrifice on the day of atonement. Yes, he became that tabernacle, that place where we could find God to dwell among us and, and ultimately to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. Yes, he lived in perfect obedience to our Heavenly Father and fulfilled both the moral law and the sacrificial requirements of the law. All 613 commandments were fulfilled in Jesus. As he taught us, he healed us, and ultimately he died for us as that perfect sacrifice. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf so that we might have the gift of eternal life, so we might have the assurance of a new life in him. It's the good news of the gospel. This is our text says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. Yes, in Jesus is life, and his life is greater than death. We see that on that first Easter Sunday when he conquered both sin and death on our behalf. He brings light into the darkness. When there's confusion and chaos, he brings clarity. If we want to know what God would have us do, we look to Jesus, and he will lead us, and ultimately he will save us. 
as he gives us clarity, conviction, and comfort. And I know this Christmas, if you're like me, you need some comfort. This week, uh, I was signing and writing letters to all the family members who have lost loved ones in our church this year. It's a pretty thick stack of letters. If you're like me, you know, my father died a year ago, and it's always felt, his, his absence is always felt at the Christmas table. When we gather together for that Christmas dinner, his chair is now empty, and we miss him, and we long to be with him again, but we find comfort in knowing that the light shines in the darkness, that in Jesus there was life, that his life is greater than death. Just ask Lazarus in John chapter 11, who Jesus raises from the dead, and we read, Jesus says in John 11, verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do we believe this? Do we believe and understand that in Jesus we have life We have eternal life. And so our loved ones, while they're not with us, we can find comfort in knowing that now they're with Jesus in paradise. There's no more pain, no more suffering, only praise. Do you know that Jesus has come so that we might have life and have it to the fullest? Yes, Jesus has come so that we might have clarity, clarity in how much God loves us as we see it at the cross. Jesus has come so we might have conviction, conviction of our own sin and our need to repent, to turn towards him so we might walk in his ways in gratitude for what he's done for us. And ultimately, he brings us comfort to let us know that he is greater than death itself, that because Jesus lives, our loved ones in the Lord will live as well, that death does not have the final say, but in Jesus Christ, we have life, life eternal. Thanks be to God. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you so much that you're the God who loves us and you're the God who is always with us. You are Emmanuel. Even though we were sinners, fallen, broken people, Lord, you did not abandon us, but you became one of us to bring clarity, clarity of who you are. You're a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. But also to bring conviction, the fact that we do fall woefully short and we do need a Savior. Lord, we need your help. We cannot do it on our own. But Lord, you also bring us comfort to let us know that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That you love us because you love us. And for that, we give you our thanks and praise. Oh Lord, this Christmas season, help us to draw near to the light of Christ so that we might have clarity, conviction, and comfort. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Let us continue our worship now by giving God's tithes and our offerings.